Welcome back, everybody, to The Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful on this Thursday. The week is flying by. Lots of stories to discuss, so let's dive in. I have a clip for you of Donald Trump Jr., and it is truly so backward, so distorted, and so much projection is going on in this clip. You've probably heard the phrase MAGA or something like this. MAGA uh, accusations are often confessions. And this is a great example of that. So we'll talk about more specifically um, why that is, and you'll pick it up immediately with this clip. But for the fun of it, pretend this isn't Donald Trump Jr., okay? And in light of recent massive stories in regard to American politics, assume he's talking about what would be obvious in this situation to be referencing if you weren't Donald Trump Jr., okay? You'll see what I mean. Take a look. Now, they say it, and I go, what's the evidence? Well, the evidence is that we said it. Oh, really? But like, is there actual evidence? You're mailing out ballots to half the world, like, you know, for the first time ever? Like, well, we, we just said it. We're going to run with it. Can't go against that. It's got to be true, right? Where's the reckoning? Where's the accountability? Remember? It was- uh, guys. He's not talking about the election deniers. He's talking about those who recognize the election was legitimate. And he's saying exactly what would apply to and does apply to election deniers perfectly, right? You can't just say something and that be the proof for what you're saying. You have to have actual evidence. You actually have to prove things that you're saying um, and accusations you're making. And then... Where's the reckoning is a great question for so many who push these lies and have not provided evidence to this day years after the election, but still push um, the lies. And a great example, what a reasonable person who says something like this would be referencing would be the Fox News Dominion lawsuit story. Where's the reckoning for the Fox News hosts that it's now been revealed behind the scenes were texting each other and executives were texting, recognizing the absurdity of the claims being made about the election and the machines flipping votes and all these things Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani were saying about the election being stolen behind the scenes. Fox News hosts recognized that and they thought the claims being uh, made about the election being stolen, all these wild accusations in regard to that were bunkers, were not true. Tucker at one point calling Trump a demonic force. But on air, they're perpetuating those lies. On air, they're bringing on Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani to lie about the election. On air, they're running cover for Donald Trump and all of his election lies. Where's the reckoning? That's what Donald Trump Jr. should be talking about. But instead, he's saying, where's the reckoning for the people who, as time has gone by and more investigations have been done, have just had their belief confirmed over and over again? It is wild. So just to go through, okay, countless audits into the 2020 election in countless states. Countless investigations, 60 plus court cases that absolutely uh, sided with the truth and with the uh, reality that the election was free, fair, and secure. And then just to take two recent huge stories we've talked about in regard to um, these investigations that were done. 
even the Trump team, the Trump team hired researchers to look into states they thought were stolen from Trump. And the researchers did extensive um, analysis, came back to Trump and the Trump team and said, the election wasn't stolen. We could not find proof of the things that you're saying. And Trump kept that private. He did not share that with the public because he wanted to, and he did continue to lie about the election for his own uh, benefit. And also the attorney general in Arizona, one of the states that has um, so many false claims constantly being made about it, did an investigation himself with his team. And they did a thorough analysis, a thorough investigation and found the election was not stolen in Arizona. This was a Republican attorney general. So for political reasons, he also kept that private until it was found out uh, recently. So, and again, I say that's just two examples because they're recent that have added just kind of the cherry on top of all of this. Even those who were either supporting or um, not clearly denouncing or outright pushing the election deny, uh, election lies and election denying, themselves knew 100% the election was not stolen, but they kept saying that publicly. So where's the reckoning, Donald Trump Jr., on that? And where's the evidence to the things that you're saying? It is wild that he could allow that to leave his mouth and not feel absolutely embarrassed about what he's saying. Let me know what you think, Luke P. Beasley, on Twitter. Republican Senator John Kennedy had explained to him by Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland why one of these narratives we've heard from those within the GOP and the right wing about the Justice Department just going after parents who were trying to do their free speech. And of course, it's a dishonest narrative. John Kennedy is pushing that dishonest narrative. Merrick Garland corrects him very effectively. This is during a, or was during um, a hearing that was done where Merrick Garland was asked all these different questions and grilled about largely dishonest talking points from those within the GOP. But take a look at this just instantly in real time, John Kennedy gets explained to him why he's being so dishonest. Didn't you understand the chilling effect that it would have to parents when you issued uh, your directive, when you directed your criminal divisions and your counterterrorism divisions to, um, to investigate parents who were angry. And what he's talking about, if you probably remember uh, during kind of the heat of COVID, there were all these school board meetings where parents were going and um, angry about COVID policies. And that's fine. You can be angry about policies you don't like and share your free speech. That's perfectly great. Merrick Garland will make that clear. What the tiny little bit he's, uh, John Kennedy and others are trying to blossom a whole story out of is the fact that the Justice Department, during that same time, because there were threats of violence, and the Justice Department was trying to prevent violent acts against school board members and public officials were making sure um, they were active and aware of the reality on that front to make sure those school board members, public officials were protected not to silence free speech, 
No parents were going to be bothered if they were going there. And even if they were getting upset, that's perfectly fine. It was the violence um, and the potential for violence that they were concerned with because some people were taking it way too far. At school boards and administrators during COVID. So, Senator, if you just give me a moment to put the full context, I did not do that. I did not issue any memorandum directing the investigation of parents who were concerned about their children. Quite to the contrary, the memorandum that you're talking about says at the very beginning of the memorandum that vigorous public debate is protected by the First Amendment. And the kind of concerns that you're talking about are, uh, as expressed by parents, are, of course, completely protected. The memorandum was aimed at violence and threats of violence against a whole host of school personnel. It was not aimed at parents making complaints to their school board. And it, it came in the context of a whole series of other kinds of violent threats uh, and violence against other public well, officials. Right. So, um, of course, we want the Justice Department to be concerned with the safety of public officials. Um, and during this time, during all these debates over COVID policy, there was tons of perfectly acceptable and protected free speech arguments going on. That's not what's being discussed or what should be discussed at all. And the Justice Department wasn't going after that. They were making sure and they were concerned with and they were um, recognizing the violent threats that were being made. That's what they uh, were, were targeting. And um, what John Kennedy and others are trying to do, and this is a strategy you see a lot within kind of dishonest, politi dishonestly politically motivated populations um, is you take a kernel of truth, okay? It was during and related to the school board meetings and the anger over COVID policies. And you turn that into people peacefully sharing their free speech are being targeted. When in reality, it wasn't in reference to those people. It was the others who were making violent threats. And it really is how you perpetuate these incredibly dishonest and dangerous talking points and make people think they're being targeted, make people think they're in danger and the government has become tyrannical when that's not the reality at all. So to close this segment out, I want to show you Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn at this same uh, hearing just revealing how unserious it all is and showing where she gets her information from she's gonna send merrick garland some good verified sources to uh prove him wrong you told me earlier that you didn't know who jane's revenge is they are all over twitter i'm gonna do you a favor i am going to send you a letter with a whole lot of twitter and different feeds to help you in that investigation for the hope clinic mm. you told She's going to send him so many Twitter links, he is not going to know what to do, and he's going to be proven so dang wrong. If you want to reach out to the show, you can do so at lukebeasleyshow.com slash contact. I will hear from you there. I want to take a look at the leader of the Democrats in the House of Representatives, Hakeem Jeffries. Responding to the news that we've gotten from the lawsuit against uh, Fox News from Dominion 
and all of the private texts and communications between executives and Fox hosts revealing that they did not believe the very lies they were perpetuating on air about the 2020 election. They thought people like Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, who they were bringing on the air to lie about the election, to say that it was stolen, were bonkers, were nuts. And behind the scenes, they recognized that publicly, they kept perpetuating these lies. And so much more than just that was revealed through this lawsuit. You can go back and look at some clips I've done about that, some stories about that. But here's Hakeem Jeffries just very nicely um, explaining what Fox hosts should be doing in this situation, what those of Fox um, should do in response to this news. Um, you and uh, Liam um, Schumer sent a letter to Fox News earlier today um, saying that you would like to see the primetime host publicly recant the big lie. Um, were that not to happen, what, is, what are you planning to instruct your members in both chambers or ask them to do with regard to Fox News? Are you either going to boycott? Is there going to be some sort of... What's your recourse if this doesn't happen? Well, the letter speaks for itself, and it relates specifically to the issue of the big lie, which apparently was well understood at the highest levels of Fox News. And I think Lita Schumer and myself simply expressed the position that since everyone seems to clearly understand that Joe Biden won the 2020 presidential election, that Donald Trump perpetrated a big lie to the American people that has had dangerous consequences, including a rise in political violence and an insurrection as part of an effort to halt the peaceful transfer of power, that perhaps it's time for America to be able to move past that big lie. And an important step would be those who know it was a big lie to publicly repudiate it. And if We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So he's calling um, on the Fox News primetime lineup to go out and explain that they knew and they know that these claims are bonkers. These claims are not accurate. They're lies. The election wasn't stolen. Obviously, they're not going to do this, but that would be the appropriate response when you get caught <laughs> for just blatantly lying and knowing that all these people you were bringing on and all these stories you were telling your audience was just not true but you did it because you knew it would help you keep the viewership that uh, fox news has so what is really upsetting about observing these events is even though this is a much more significant example of it we've seen this cycle before and it's such an aggravating cycle to watch. And what I mean by that is there, especially in this cur current media environment that we're in, is maybe not a strategy, maybe they're not thinking every moment this is what how it's gonna go and what they're gonna do, but it ends up being a cycle where very dishonest media figures lie, 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 benefit from those lies. Then it becomes very clear either quite immediately or down the road that they were indeed lying and they move on to something else and it becomes a different talking point. Whenever one talking point that's very dishonest kind of gets old, people stop um, buying it so much or it's just so clear to the public that it's uh, not accurate, 
they pick something else, they dishonestly frame that, and we start all over again. And there's just not accountability. How long, how many lies has Tucker Carlson told, and there's not accountability? And the reason is where would the accountability really have to come from? Because it's not really going to be through a case like this, even though I hope Fox News loses with this defamation case, they would pay out the amount the Fox host would continue forward. It could be from the company taking the hosts off the air, but that's not going to happen. It would have to be from the audience. And in more reasonable spaces, more reasonable media hosts, if they got caught for lying so blatantly, likely they would no longer have people who trust them and their audience would go away. And that's the accountability. That's why there's an incentive in most media spaces, hopefully, to be honest, to attempt to tell the truth. But not with these echo chambers and especially within the Fox News right-wing little world they have going. Because the audience, even if they hear this story, even if they believe that some of it is true, honestly won't leave Fox News if Fox News continues telling the lies that these individuals want to hear and everything's a hoax. All those stories, all the evidence that these hosts aren't being honest to me and are just telling me what I want to hear, I don't care. Because to do otherwise, to recognize maybe the truth is the truth and I shouldn't trust Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, would be to recognize so many things about their identity who they are is misaligned with the truth. And what I mean by that is if you become kind of a Trump cultist, if you become a hardcore Fox News, everything's uh, a hoax that doesn't align with what I believe and everything is the deep state and all these different things, that becomes who you are. You are so much um, bought into MAGA, whatever it might be. And you see that. And when I talk to Trump supporters at rallies, it's a different level of identity association with political views than I see in other uh, political spaces. And so if the audience of Fox News or someone like Tucker Carlson took the information out of this lawsuit and many other situations uh, to understand Tucker Carlson to be dishonest, that would also mean that so much about who they are, who they've decided to wrap their, or how they've decided to wrap their identity around something is uh, based on lies. And that is a painful process. I, I understand that that would be very hard to do, but that's what you have to do if you value the truth and you realize you've been lied to. And so the reason why, even if this Fox News a Dominion case goes as bad as it could for Fox News, we'll still have Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, Handy, and a bunch of people like them who benefit from lies, who benefit from people wanting to hear things that are just not true, is because the audience of those individuals will still be present. The demand for those lies will still be present. And that is so horrifying and so sad for what it means about our country now and moving forward. Well, Democratic Senator Sheldon Whitehouse uh, beautifully, beautifully, and accurately broke down what the whole playbook is right now 
from the Republican uh, Party explained exactly why the word woke is being used so much and exactly how that word um, is being utilized. Take a look at this great job from Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. They're relying on a new magic budget word. That word is woke. The House budget chairman says his budget will be modeled after a draft budget put together by Trump's budget director, Russ Vogt, which uses the phrase woke 77 times. I think the previous record for the use of the term woke in budgets is zero always. <laughs> Call everything woke and then try to cut its funding seems to be the strategy. Housing, woke, chop it in half. Public schools and job training, woke, slash it. Auditing tax cheats, woke, let's not do that. Fighting climate change, woke, none of that. Healthy food for kids and families, woke, cut it. Medicaid, health insurance, heating assistance, cut, cut, cut. From behind this new catchphrase, Republicans want workers and families to line up behind the tax cheaters, behind the polluters, behind the campaign donors, behind the well-connected and the well-off whom they serve. Well, their problem is you can say woke for a while, but then people will notice that they no longer have disability benefits or that they can't afford their prescription drugs or that huge corporations are paying nothing in taxes. The woke screen is a smoke screen and people need to see through say it. Say that again, Sheldon. The woke screen is a smoke screen and Americans need to see through it to what Republicans are really trying to do. you just come up with that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, 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 yes. One of the things the Democratic Party is not always the best at is messaging, but that's how you do it. Because what's going on right now is the Republican Party just doesn't have popular policies. That's the reality. And if you don't have popular policies, how do you win? How do you get positions of power? You get um, and you put forward messaging, political messaging that is effective. And that's what they're doing here. Unfortunately, it is effective in some of these election situations. And so they've decided this word woke is going to be the way for however long that they do that, that they distract from their policies that aren't popular because they do disproportionately help those at the very top. They're constantly standing in the way of good, popular, effective, beneficial actions, and they want to do things that would hurt the working American. Cutting all these programs that are so necessary to the lives and livelihood of people. Many Republicans want to cut those. They stand in the way of actions such as uh, the Biden administration, Democrats trying to lower prescription drug costs. They stand against action like that. They stand against the expansion of health insurance coverage for people. They are actively trying to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act that has done so many incredible things for working um, Americans and for the future of energy and on and on we go. And so if you're really wanting to do all of that, trying to do all of that from a policy perspective, it has to be about something else woke. That's what they're going to focus on instead. So how do I know that 
they're not identifying a real problem. Because some people I know who are even left of center are really concerned with woke. And they don't like the GOP, but also this woke thing is actually a big problem. Why don't you talk about it that much? And I've gone through this before, but I'll do it again. I think that I know that in the world we're in now, social media can make things look and make things seem like problems when they actually aren't and make views seem more prominent than they actually are and people seem more um, popular than they actually are and the views that those people espouse. And so the few examples that will be provided uh, to me of someone who identifies as on the left and is just saying some wacky, wacky stuff, which there's plenty of examples of, to be clear. Absolutely. Plenty of liberals that are bonkers. But um, including myself, we're all a little bonkers now. Um, but why is that not something that's a focus of mine? Because social media is based around engagement. So if something's more engaging, more provocative, it'll get a lot of attention. So then it'll seem like views are very popular because they're very provocative. But then how do we know? How, how do we know we're not just doing that with right-wingers too? And then we're both just thinking the other side is something that they're not at all. And that's when you look at power structures. So um, how do these views manifest themselves within power structures, within who has positions of power? And that's where you get your answer. Show me a Democrat that, for example, I recently saw someone say the left wants to tear down statues of Abraham Lincoln. Show me a Democratic politician who's saying that. I heard Don Jr. recently say the left wants to transition three-year-olds. Show me a Democrat, um, Democratic politician who said that or alluded to that at all. Whereas when I talk about Republicans, who am I primarily talking about? individuals with positions of power or who demand massive movements that affect clearly and presently positions of power. So Marjorie Greene, a congresswoman, Trump, president, not anymore demanding a massive movement, could be president um, once again. And then you go down the list and you start noticing, oh, clearly the views that I find so dangerous about Marjorie Greene, for example, the reason I brought her up is she's on my screen for our next story. Um, is uh, they are popular enough, those views are popular enough and are prevalent enough. And this is enough of a problem that she can become a congresswoman. And that, I think when you're talking about politics, you should look at political structures and who is represented in those structures to get a sense of where the country actually stands. Not just what's trending on Twitter, annoying people on Twitter or annoying people on TikTok. Because you're not going to have an attached to reality understanding of the prevalence um, of different problems or different views, unless you have obviously polling on it, which we see 60% of Republicans think the election was stolen, or you look at who is getting uh, into positions of power. Marjorie Taylor Greene said something about Russia's invasion of Ukraine that was so dang dishonest and vile. Had to share it with you. I know she's... <laughs> become a daily story on the show, but she's just constantly saying bonkers stuff um, and here deeply dishonest and dangerous stuff. So we're going to look at this. She starts off by saying fine things, you know, she wants peace and all that, but then you'll hear her shift to just absolutely something so incorrect. 
I'm completely against the war in Ukraine. I want to see it come to an end. I want Russia and, and Ukraine to come to peace talks and end this war. But you know who's driving it? It's America. America needs to stop pushing the war in Ukraine. I'm completely. Saying the United States is the one who's causing the war to continue. That's driving the war. You know who's driving the invasion of Ukraine? The Russian invasion of Ukraine? Russia. You know who's driving Putin's invasion of another sovereign country? Putin. Putin could stop the war today by stopping his invasion today. I don't understand why even someone who has so many bad views like Marjorie Greene would take this stance. And you can believe whatever you want about the United States in so many different situations. That does not mean factually right now the United States is the reason Russia's invasion of Ukraine continues. And she's taking the responsibility off the shoulders of Putin, which is exactly where it lies. And to give a very, very simplified analogy for this, to try to explain it for Marjorie Taylor Greene, if person A, for no reason, just started punching person B, and then person C came and tried to stand next to and assist person B in person B's defense of themselves, would you say person C is causing the fight to go on? Or would you say it's just, gosh, person A and person B, they're just fighting and they need to come to some peaceful resolution and person C is just causing it all to continue? No, person A needs to stop attacking person B. Then person C wouldn't have to be doing anything and person B would have peace. Again, way oversimplified, but that's, I guess, where we have to go. They're constantly, constantly talking about, oh, you know, I need my Second Amendment right so that I can defend myself and I have the right to self-defense and that's why if someone comes to my property, I can shoot them and this and that and this and that. But then in an example on the global stage where that clearly happens, someone has the right to, or a country has the right to defend themselves, she's no longer on board. Self-defense, no, it's kind of the United States' fault that this is happening, even though there's an aggressor, someone defending themselves, and then someone supporting, I'm saying someone, <laughs> back to the analogy, but, and then a country defending or helping one of the countries defend themselves. It, it's so vile. Why? The only reason that I can derive from all the things she said that would make some it doesn't even make sense, but that would give me some answer as to why she takes the stance, why Tucker Carlson takes this stance, is because they just have to be against Biden. Because Biden's for Ukraine, they have to be against that. That's my only answer. Otherwise, I, even with the horrible, flawed logic they have, can't understand why on earth they're taking the stance. Now, again, this is not me saying you can't think for this reason or that reason that the dollar amount we should be spending on Ukraine's defense of themselves should be different. You can have views. You and I can disagree. That's perfectly fine. This is something different. This is, it's not the United States' fault. I mean, sorry, it is the United States' fault. It's not Russia's fault. What on earth? Truly infuriating. And the solution from individuals like Marjorie Greene and Tucker Carlson is stop supporting Ukraine. Us sending aid to them, sending military aid, lethal aid, all these different things is causing the war to continue. So if we stopped, what would happen? Oh, there's peace now because we were the driving force, right? Would there be peace? 
Does Marjorie Greene authentically think there would be peace if we stopped? No, Russia would push even more aggressively. They would think they have an even better shot at taking over what they want to take over. So backwards, so incorrect, and just deeply, deeply dishonest. Well, staying on the topic of Marjorie Taylor Greene, unfortunately, at a recent House Election Integrity Caucus roundtable, she turned towards an election official, Gabe Sterling, and just started berating him, very upset with this election official for telling the truth, for explaining the election was not stolen in the, uh, in the state of Georgia. And Marjorie Greene continues to spread her lies about the election. And uh, this is what took place. Thank you very much for your expertise on this issue. Gabe, I do not consider you an expert on this issue. As a matter of fact, I consider you a major problem. And here's why. My ex-husband showed up to vote in person in the 2020 general election and was told he already voted. And they said, you, Mr. Green, you have voted absentee ballot. He said, no, I haven't. I never requested one. I never filled one out. I never sent it in. And he had to sign a form surrendering a ballot he never voted on and never sent in in order to vote in person. Now, that complaint got largely ignored. No one listened. We reported in the news. We reported it to the Secretary of State's office, reported it constantly, and no one gave a shit about what happened to him. But guess what? It wasn't just him. There were... Okay, so the claims she's about to make, all of those are typical ones we hear all the time that are the, so dang easy to disprove. These personal anecdote things where she's likely manipulating the details herself to make it seem more uh suspicious are a little bit more of a process but even that she says no one looked into it no one uh gave a you know what and that's not true election officials indeed did because she's been saying this so much and there wasn't anything wrong no voter fraud going on with the case um of her husband for many many people that reported the same issue not just in floyd county but all over the state and I want to tell you something else. For you to say there were no dead voters in Georgia, no, that is, that is, there, was, there was thousands of dead voters in Georgia. And then, and then the other thing. It was a zombie apocalypse. The thing is, you have constantly shilled up for this election. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it, there was blatant outright fraud in the 2020 election. Complete and total fraud. You know it. You absolutely <laughs> do know it. And I'm going to follow up with one more thing. Trump won Georgia. I know you don't like for me. But he didn't, though. To say that, but I am convinced that he did. I'm born and raised in Georgia, lived there all my life, campaigned all over the state in the 2020 election, and for, to, to come in here for the election integrity caucus. And you see that we'll continue with this clip, but you see where she goes to. I'm convinced that Trump won Georgia, and what's her reasoning? Because I was born and I grew up in Georgia and I campaigned across the state. Okay, so the people you hung out with were Trump supporters. So you think there's no way Biden could win the state. That's your proof. Our proof is every single other batch of information that we have on the election. All right, I'm fair with those, uh, with that situation. And for you to be on the panel, it's okay. actually insulting to election integrity because I think you did a horrific job for the state of Georgia. And I can't believe that our tax dollars have to pay you to run our election system. You were formerly a Georgia uh, state employee, and then you got to be a contractor during the election. Well, I, I think that was that. I don't. I don't know why that happened, and no one else got picked. But somehow we ended up with you. But there were massive problems in the recount in Floyd County. 
They recovered over, I think it was over 2,000 votes for Trump in the hand recount. Floyd County is a tiny little county, teeny tiny little county. To, to recover over... <laughs> the election official who actually is aware of the facts of the situation is just wincing this whole time. 2,000 votes for Trump in a hand recount is outrageous. And then we have the mm. whole catastrophe of suitcases coming out from under the table, videos of them re-scanning uh, stacks of ballots. All of this went on, but the Secretary of State's office said, oh, flawless election in the state of Georgia in 2020. And, I'm, I, and it's not, I'm sorry, it's not. And I hate to tell you, but there are many Georgians, and I'm one of them, that have no faith in our election system in Georgia. And I'm still upset about it. Okay. The reason why a lot of people don't have faith is because of individuals such as yourself who keep lying about the election. So, like I said, the husband thing, nothing, um, nothing wrong there. And then we'll go through some of these other claims as Daniel Dell writes. Actually, let me try to do this quickly because she made so many claims. Green falsely claimed that Trump won Georgia, though he lost by 11,779 votes, fair and square, in a state with a Republican governor, Republican elections chief, and Republican-controlled legislature. She falsely claimed that there were thousands of dead voters in Georgia, though Georgia election officials have found only four such cases in the 2020 election to date, and Trump's allies' claims about various other supposedly deceased voters have been disproven by CNN and others, and she falsely claimed that a video... Um, a video showed workers in Atlanta's Fulton County doing something nefarious while counting ballots, though the workers were simply doing their jobs, uh, and though false claims about the video have been debunked, and not only by Sterling, but by Trump's deputy attorney general and a Trump-appointed former U.S. attorney in Georgia, among others. Um, point is, everything she said was false. <laughs> um, that's the summary of what we just read. So we've gone through, on an individual basis, all these things. Oh, there were suitcases. Oh, they were, what did she say about scanning? And uh, you could tell they were bringing in fake ballots. And the times I've asked individuals who say that to send it to me, either I never get it sent or I get it sent and it's just a very normal video of election officials <laughs> doing their job, counting ballots. Um, and then the claim that thousands of dead voters voted just didn't happen snap it so it is really wild when people get so detached from reality that there's no way to bring them back because if all of the evidence that we have that this election was free and fair this election was not stolen from uh, trump if we have all of that and still a massive population of people doesn't believe it and marjorie green knows she'll be a hero among those individuals doing this political stunt we're in a scary place because there really isn't that much more that we could provide other than them sitting there and counting every single ballot themselves. And um, it's a really scary time that we're in. To be honest with you, as I mentioned previously in the show, if you have something to say to me, you want to rage about something or a question you want to ask, I'll answer questions on the show if we get um, some interesting ones or whatever it might be, you want to tell me what you had for breakfast, you can do so at lukebeasleyshow.com slash contact. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. We'll see you tomorrow.